Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Charles Earl Davis versus United States. This is, uh, uh, does not have a syllabus, but it's only three pages, so we're going to go ahead and read it. Uh, on petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, decided March 23rd, 2020, per curiam opinion. In July 2016, police officers in Dallas, Texas, received a tip about a suspicious car parked outside of a house in the Dallas area. The officers approached the car and encountered Charles Davis in the driver's seat. They ordered him out of the car after smelling marijuana. As Davis exited the car, the officers spotted a black semi-automatic handgun in the door compartment. They then searched Davis and found methamphetamine pills. Davis had previously been convicted of two state felonies. In this case, a federal grand jury in the Northern District of Texas indicted Davis for being a felon in possession of a firearm. It's 18 U.S.C. sections 922G1 and 924A2. And for possessing drugs with the intent to distribute them. 21 U.S.C. sections 841A1 and B1 cap C. Davis pleaded guilty to both counts. The president's report the pre-sentence report prepared by the probation office noted this, that Davis was also facing pending drug and gun charges in Texas courts stemming from a separate 2015 state arrest. The district court sentenced Davis to four years and nine months in prison and ordered that his sentence run consecutively to any sentences that the state courts might impose for his 2015 state offenses. Davis did not object to the sentence or to its consecutive nature. Davis appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. On appeal, he argued for the first time that the district court erred by ordering his federal sentence to run consecutively to any sentence that the state courts might impose for his 2015 state offenses. Davis contended that his 2015 state offenses and his 2016 federal offenses were part of the same course of conduct, meaning under the sentencing guidelines that the sentences should have run concurrently not consecutively. See United States Sentencing Commission Guidelines Manual uh, sections 1B1.3A2, 5G1.3C. In the Fifth Circuit, Davis acknowledged that he had failed to raise that argument in the district court. When a criminal defendant fails to raise an argument in the district court, an appellate court ordinarily may review the issue only for plain error. See Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 52B. But the Fifth Circuit refused to entertain Davis's argument at all. The Fifth Circuit did not employ plain error review because the court characterized Davis's argument as raising factual issues and under Fifth Circuit precedent, questions of fact capable of resolution by the district court upon proper objection at sentencing can never constitute plain error. Um, that's quoting United States versus Lopez. By contrast, almost every other court of appeals conducts plain error review of unpreserved arguments, including unpreserved factual arguments. Um, United States versus Gonzalez, um, United States versus Romero, United States versus, versus Griffiths, United States versus Wells, United States versus Sargent. United States versus Durham, United States versus Sakhan, 
United States versus Thomas, and United States versus Sorrow. In this court, Davis challenges the Fifth Circuit's outlier practice of refusing to review certain unpreserved factual arguments for plain error. We agree with Davis, and we vacate the judgment of the Fifth Circuit. Rule 52B states in full, a plain error that affects substantial rights may be considered, even though it was not brought to the court's attention. The text of Rule 52B does not immunize factual errors from plain error review. Our cases, likewise, do not purport to shield any category of errors from plain error review. See generally Rosales Morales v. United States and United States v. Olano. Put simply, there is no legal basis for the Fifth Circuit's practice of declining to review certain unpreserved factual arguments for plain error. The petition for certiorari and the motion for leave to proceed in forma pauperis are granted. The judgment of the Fifth Circuit is vacated, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. We expressed no opinion on whether Davis has satisfied the plain error standard. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com, that's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0, or on Twitter at Court Syllabus. And again, I am actually looking to network with some folks from Penn State Law, if I have any listeners out there that... Uh, are listening uh, at Penn State or our uh, uh, alumni, go ahead and uh, drop me a line. Thanks.